All right, welcome back to the Shadows of Jesus. Allergies are taking its toll on my life, so if my voice changes halfway through, we'll bear with you. Just, just sorry. It's all good. Um, my name is Jeff Martin, lead pastor here at Redeemer, joined by my co-host. Bill Jolly. Bill Jolly. Bill, can I just say one more time how thankful I am to walk through this with someone? Yes. The I, communal aspect of this mm-hmm. is a such a great dynamic. Yeah, so. yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, today we're, we're jumping into Isaiah. So if you've been following along and just reading through your Bible and you're in first or second Chronicles, you missed the memo. <laughs> Check back to the reading plan. Yeah. The reading plan the- gets us to Isaiah. And so Isaiah is a, it's 66 chapters long. Yeah. Huge book. Um, so people call it a, a major prophet. Does that, is like, are there minor prophets less important? What's the difference between major? Yeah, and are minor? these the better prophets? Are there the minor guys like the minor leagues in baseball? Yeah. So it's not like that at all. The, when we talk about a major prophet, we're talking about the length of their writing, not the quality. So we've got our minor prophets are writing great stuff too. That's just, they were smaller scrolls. Yeah. So same, same quality of writing, just yeah. quantity, right. the major. So Isaiah is a major. Yes. Not better. Just, just longer. Longer, yeah. Longer. Great. Now, so here's a question. Uh, when you think about uh, Old Testament books, which Old Testament book is quoted the most in the New Testament? I feel like we talked about Jesus quoting Leviticus. Yeah. But yeah. if I was going to take a guess because of the question, I would say maybe Isaiah. Pretty, pretty close. The, the book of Psalms is the most quoted. Ah. got so much in it. I mean, it's, it's a huge book. I mean, you know, 150 yeah. chapters. Uh, but Isaiah is the second most. So Jesus quoted. likes this book. He likes it. The other New Testament writers, their, their minds and their spirits were, they were soaking in Isaiah. And so yeah. that's encouraging to us to say, let's, let's soak into this, this book. Yeah, that's good. So Isaiah breaks down into three big sections, chapters 1 through 39, yeah, um, that's kind of what's been happening in the Northern Kingdom, right? Which Northern Kingdom is? That's Israel. Israel, um, forty through fifty-five is about the coming Messiah. We're gonna see some, we'll see some beautiful stuff. stuff there. Yeah. yeah, and then fifty-six through sixty-six is this this final judgment and restoration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But today we're gonna knock out chapters one through twenty-three. We're gonna do Isaiah in three sections, three parts. Yeah. yeah so why not one through thirty-nine? Because that was a lot of chapters. So <laughs> one through twenty-three. All right. Yeah. So let, let's kick off. Okay. Um, the, the primary task of Isaiah as a prophet, um, is it to tell the future? No, but he does. But pro- He does talk about some preacher stuff. Lots of things, yeah. Um, but the prophets, they were called by God to speak to the people and really to say, here's what's going on right now. And they would call the people back to covenant faithfulness. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of thus they, saith the Lord. Um, but the language is kind of poetic. So tell yeah. me, like, why... Like, are we reading this the same as we're reading first and second Kings or should we make a switch mentally? Like yeah. what, what would I you suggest? This, yeah. One of the most important things when you're coming into the prophets you're, and you're reading them is that most of the prophets are writing in poetry and, uh, and, and, in poetry, I used to teach uh, English literature, and so we'd have to, you know, help, help students change gears because poetry is weird. Uh, it, it is. It works through images. It works through emotions. Um, and you know, I was I was reading. Two of my favorite resources are by uh, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, and they wrote a couple of books. One's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Yeah, it's a How to book. Read the Bible Book by Book. And they, he made a statement in there. It says Hebrew poetry, by its very nature, was addressed to the mind through the heart. So it's going through the heart, you know, and going up. And so when you read poetry, you really have to slow down and give yourself to it and, and let the images actually, if you can let them materialize and, and affect your imagination because that's the way that they 
having those images in your mind, in your imagination, they have an emotional effect. And that's the effect that the prophets were, ha- were experiencing as they were yeah. getting these prophetic words. And so for us to experience, you know, and, and read the Bible well, we want to read it literarily and understand the genre yeah. uh, with the poetry. So, that, so images are huge. Slow down and soak in those. And then also parallelisms are the other major feature of Hebrew poetry where one line and then the second line stacks onto that meaning or con- contrasts that yeah. meaning. And you're going to see that. And sometimes it even goes to a third line. But they, they have ideas that stack on top of each other like we have rhymes. Yeah, so I would, I would have thought more like Psalms would be more poetry, and I would think Isaiah more prophetic. Yes. But I think it's yeah. kind of it's both. both. Yeah, yeah, his is extra interesting because it's prophetic poetry yeah. <laughs> in there. So sweet. All right, let's, let's jump in. First couple chapters, um, we see in chapter 1, 1, um, chapter one, verse one, mm-hmm. we, we read about Uzziah and I was like, I was like, who's Uzziah? Mm-hmm. And I went back and the name was Azariah. It turns out same guy. Okay. So second Kings 15, um, Uzziah, Azariah, same person to Jotham, mm-hmm. who's second Kings 15 to Ahaz, who's second Kings yeah. 16. Right. And Hezekiah, mm-hmm. second Kings 18. So one of the things I really appreciate about jumping to Isaiah and this reading plan is we just read about these yeah, guys. They're fresh in your mind. So you're yeah. like, Oh, here's the con- historical context for what Isaiah was doing. Yeah. So here's what's, so we know what's happening as Isaiah is writing, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to read verses 15 through 18 of chapter one for us? Yeah. So chapter one, verses 15 through 18, um, this is the Lord speaking to them. He says, when you spread out your hands, like pray in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Yeah. So it starts off bad, mm-hmm. ends good. Yeah. Um, that's kind of this, this theme throughout the whole book of Isaiah mm-hmm. that we see introduced here. But on the front end, we see that God's not interested in religious rituals. Yeah. Like he, he, he doesn't care about the, the motions. He wants our hearts. That's right. And I just think about like, imagine being at a worship service where, you know, we're singing loud. People have their hands up. People are putting money in the offering baskets. We're saying prayers. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then God's just like, I'm out. Like I'm done. And, you yeah, said there's I, a song about this? Yeah, so John Foreman, the lead singer from Switchfoot, has got some great albums of solo work, and on one of them he has the uh, a song that's written from Isaiah 1 yeah. uh, called Instead of, Instead of a Show. Yeah. And, he, and there's a lyric in there that says, where he sings, I hate all your shows. I hate all your shows. Instead, let justice flow. You know? yeah. So it's a great song. Check so it out. So what got shown on the, on the front end is is basically like these people aren't giving because their heart's in it. They're giving because they're thinking, well, maybe we'll appease God's wrath and we can just keep doing what we're doing. God God wants to change our hearts. And so the hope is, is that though our sins are like scarlet, they're going to be white as wool, white yeah, as snow. white as snow, white yeah. as wool, which is great. Um, so t- tell me this, Bill. If God cares about the heart, 
what does a changed heart look like? Yeah, well, it's going to look like his heart, like the, like the heart of Jesus. And there's going to be this, this concern for the vulnerable. There's going to be compassion. There's a softness. There's a not selfish, not self-seeking, but it's other-centered, sacrificial. Yeah, that's great. I love that. The compassion, other-centered mm-hmm. is huge. It's yeah. almost like grace flows to us. And through, and through us. us. That keeps going back up. <laughs> All right, so chapter two, it looks like a, a little shadow of Jesus mm-hmm. because in verse three, yep. it looks like the Sermon on the Mount. Come, let's go up to the mountain of yeah. the Lord. G- G- Judah was meant to bring hope to the nations mm-hmm. by being a light or like a city on a, on a, a hill. A city on a hill. And what are they doing from that city on a hill? What are they supposed to be doing? It's shining. And, yeah, just and, and there's teaching. They're learning who the Lord God's is. goodness. And, uh, and so, but the problem so while it sounds like a shadow of Jesus, the problem we see is that instead of being a city on a hill, they've become indistinguishable. Yeah. They look, they just look like just like the else. world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that stands out about yeah. them. And, but the hope, yeah, the hope is that there'll be a day when God will recreate them to be who he made them to yeah, be. Yeah. So. And that's one of those moments, like as you're reading it and it says, come, let's go up to the mountain here. And it, he, they use that mountain imagery and you're just thinking mountains and mountains. And then if you just take a moment and say, are there other mountains, other images throughout the Bible? That's some of the power of this, yeah. of the visual power of the poetry. And it would, you would say, Jesus sermon on the Mount. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Um, we are introduced to this this term, and you'll see it like the day of the Lord or that day, that day, the, the day. day. It's a, so what what is the day of the Lord? Yeah, this is great and terrible day of the Lord, and it's a it's always linking to judgment. It doesn't and sound good ever. It's when you not read about it right, and it can refer to like to a, a something that's going to be happening pretty soon uh, historically, and but then it also always has this future prophetic. Uh, connection to the in, the judgment at the end. Yeah. So we see prophet prophecies have a lot of layers to them. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, chapter three continues to warn Israel. Um, the rich, they've become hard hearted towards the poor, which doesn't reflect the heart of God. There's no compassion. There's no other centeredness, complete right. self-centeredness. And God says he's not going to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. And basically um, in his love, He's going to expose their hard hearts. He's going to take away all of their false securities. Um, and, the, and the hope is that in hitting rock bottom that they'll turn back to him. So he's pretty severe in his rebuke, yeah. but it's for the purpose of redemption. Yeah, and that's where I, I, I've noticed being in church, the church world, church life, pastoring, there comes a point when you're like, God, let him hit bottom so he'll come back. Yes. And you, so you, you know that there comes a point where like, that's your only hope. Like, God, yeah. just, just let, let him go. go. And, yeah. my, and like, and maybe they'll get to a point where they, they'll return. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what we see there. Mm. Um, chapter four talks about the yeah. branch of the Lord. What's the, what's the branch of the Lord? It's a strange little image, but it's symbolic of the Messiah, mm. the one who's coming, this redemption. And, uh, and so that, you know, you see that we're going to connect that to some other. Yeah. And so in chapter five, Isaiah sings a song. Poet, poetically. Yes. Out of vineyard. Got me and a yeah, he bought this vineyard that God loved, God prepared, God protected. And so I'm guessing the vineyard is Israel uh-huh. or, the, or his people, his people. And um, it's meant to bear good fruit, but instead of producing good fruit, it's, it's producing wild, what, wild fruit. What's the, what does the word wild mean? Stinky or stanky. stanky. So I wonder if this is a, like, a, would, if it, would this be a bluegrass song or I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know what genre we'd go for. So, with this. so what did God do? So he lets that vineyard be overrun, trampled, and uh, destroyed. Yeah. So what, what was it that made 
the grape stinky. Yeah, so they list these woes um, in there, and the the that the people were uh, they were giving themselves to excess, very self centered, oppressive. Um, they were oppressive. Yeah, they were mocking God. There was pride. There was drunkenness. Oh, they're arrogant. Yeah, they were taking advantage. Like they were they were sinning with their real estate. <laughs> yeah, they were just collecting, you know, adding to their land, and they weren't taking care of people. Um, so yeah. those are the, the things that made the, made the, so stick. it's interesting when you think about the, the branch of the Lord and this uh-huh. vineyard, it really brings us to kind of John 15, same imagery where yeah, Jesus, Jesus is the true vine and yeah. there's pruning, right? Taken away that will enable us to produce not, not stinky fruit, good fruit, but good fruit. Yeah. So I love, I love the connectedness to John 15 there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gets us to chapter six, which like this, this chapter rocked my world when I was, when I was in high school, I remember the yeah. first time I read it and yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a grand vision of God's throne room. Mm-hmm. And, um, if like I, at this point, Isaiah is told he's going to be God's mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of see like for him to be God's mouthpiece, he needs a proper view of both God and himself. And so mm-hmm. he gets this grand view, like, t- like anything about the yeah. view stand out to you. I mean, well, like for, for me too, that this, I've read this and it's just floors you. And I, and I, there's been songs written about it. I remember Lindell Cooley was, I see the Lord. Uh, and he, and he sings about this moment and you just feel the, the grandeur of God, the holiness of God. I remember hearing um, uh, John Piper preach on this. It was from a passion, early passion conference. Yeah. And when you hear Isaiah six, it, it, it's just let it sit, you know, sit in it and soak in it and see the glory and the grandeur of God. Um, and it, and it, it has a, a it's very humbling. Yeah, I love the seraphim say like, holy, holy, holy. holy. And I think yeah. you kind of have this, magnifying exponentially with the increase, but also thinking like, I can't help but to think of like three holies and father, son, and Holy spirit. But, right. um, and so for me, Ultimate. when he's like, who will go? And he's like, here I am. Send me. Right. That's where I stopped in high school. Like I, I didn't read the rest of it. And <laughs> His was, assignment's not so good. And I was, I was like, I'm going to go to my high school and uh-huh. I got him in. I'm going to start a Bible study. And then I, I think it was like, it wasn't until seminary. Uh-huh. when I read the rest of it and I was like, Oh, this is a ministry of failure. So yeah. what is he, what is he after? He's like, I'm in, what does yeah, God tell you're going to happen? You're going to be preaching to people who they won't understand. Their eyes aren't going to see their ears aren't going to hear their hearts are going to be hard. Yeah. So he calls them to the ministry of failure, which I think is great just to, to know in ministry or it, it, like which everyone's called a ministry, right? Not just yeah. us. Yeah. Um, that sometimes we, we, we need to realize that, faithfulness is more important than fruitfulness yes. um, because faithfulness is on us, but fruitfulness is on God. And yeah. so be more concerned about being faithful because maybe God's called you to, yeah. to people that aren't going to hear. It's and, not, and, that's not on yeah, you. I mean, the Western mindset is make things bigger and better and flashier and have a platform and, and, you know, be Instagrammable with your life. Yeah. And the Lord just doesn't work like that. And the most important thing that we can do is to say, Lord, who have you called me to be? What have you called me to do and, and how to live? Yeah. And I'm going to be faithful to that. And, and that is not a guarantee to something that's, you know, going to make me famous or yeah. be the, the American dream. So, I'd rather have God's dream. Right? Yeah, that's good. And um, we'll come back to this for shadows of Jesus, but were there anything, anything else that stood out to you? Uh, no, that's good. Great. Yes. Yeah, so we'll come back to that. Um, chapter seven through 12. Um, if you remember from last week, this is about second Kings 16, 17 ish. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's when Isaiah 7 is taking place. So the southern kingdom of Judah 
is in some potential trouble. Mm-hmm. At this point, the northern kingdom has been conquered by who? Assyria. And now they've partnered with Assyria, and they're marching. Let's take on. Let's take out Jerusalem. Yeah, to take the capital of Jerusalem. And so Ahaz is like, should I make a foreign alliance? Mm-hmm. And he's done it in the past. Mm-hmm. So will he do it again? Like, is he going to partner with with someone else? Yeah. Um, or is he going to grow in faith and say, God, like, I trust you to protect mm-hmm. us? And so what Isaiah says is like, hey, God's going to give you a sign. And what's the mm-hmm. sign? Uh, a virgin will conceive. A young maiden, is, a child is going to be born. Yeah, and so that word vir- virgin could mean um, someone who's never had intercourse before or someone who's just a, a young maiden. lady. Yeah. yeah, young maiden. And um, But when we get to the New Testament, we see this quoted in reference to show that it's, it's ultimately pointing us. Yeah, there was two two moments of, Jesus. of, of prediction. Yeah, and so, so on the shorthand, it's probably fulfilled in chapter 8, verse 3. Yeah. Um, and so, like, a child is born that sees all of this take place. Yeah. Uh, but on a more grand scheme, it's going to be a, a prophecy of, of Jesus. Jesus. So it's kind of 700 so, years ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, so multiple, multiple layers there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had this in my, in my Bible, and I don't know. I was telling you earlier, like, I don't know where I got it from. Okay. It's such it, a good quote. Something I, you wrote in the yeah, margin. Yeah, I, I wrote in my margins, and it's just it's too good to be mine. Okay. Come <laughs> so, on. So what I wrote is this short-term assurance um, is meant to point us to God's long-term faithfulness, mm. which is ultimately to be fulfilled in Christ. That's so and good. And so, so we see the short-term assurance fulfilled in 8.4. Mm-hmm. So the 7.14 is fulfilled in 8.4. That's short-term assurance, but it's ultimately to be fulfilled um, or point us to God's long-term faithfulness, which oh, is man. fulfilled in Christ. Well, and so, I mean, can't you see that like in your, in your ordinary day-to-day life where you see God show up and do something and show his faithfulness, and then that as you are thankful and recognizing that, man, and he's going to be faithful in the biggest thing yeah. that matters in the, you know, my, my resurrection and the renewal of all things. Yeah. And so it can, you know, That's do good. the same thing for us. Yeah. So, um, it is interesting in chapter eight, there's that, that the name, the, and so I don't know, do what it, the, do it. I don't know what the significance of it is, but I just thought it was interesting. Like the Mahar Salal Hashbaz. And you're like, is that, are you speaking, are you speaking in, tongues? in tongues? Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a buddy tell me that if I wanted to speak in tongues, just think about like, um, like a, a necktie. Tie my bow tie and tie my yeah, bow he's tie. Yeah, like, he said, like, I have a tie, I tie a tie, bow tie. Um, <laughs> what about, I, I bought a Mitsubishi, but I should have bought a Honda? Yeah. Have you heard that one? That's a good so, one. Um, <laughs> Rabbit trail. But um, anyways, I thought, so what, what does that word mean? What does that name yeah, mean? Yeah, the spoil speeds, the prey hastens. Yeah. It's cool. Um, at the end of chapter eight, we see Israel depending on their own strength, their own solutions. Mm-hmm. But in chapter nine, Basically, like, I love this. Like, yeah. we, we realize, like, God eventually says, like, hey, your efforts aren't needed. So eight, eight's all their strength. What can we do? In chapter mm-hmm. nine, God's like, you don't need, it's not about what you bring to the table. It's about what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so, so what does he mention? He mentions a, a child. Yes. What, and, what are the names of this child? Yeah, famous lines that we, you know, we're, we'll, we'll say these, at, you know, at Christmas time that we've got the, that he's, a child is born, a son is given. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And there's so much to those. If, if I was to, to give like a, a, a summary statement of what everyone, the, everyone of those means, like as a counselor, he has a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, as mighty God, he has the power to fulfill that plan. So he doesn't just have a whiteboard with ideas. He executes them mm-hmm. as a father. He doesn't just, it's not just that he can save us. It's that he, he wants, wants to he loves his kids. And then as Prince of peace, like he, he's going to bring the peace that our hearts long for. And uh-huh. so I love to see what Jesus it's so good. brings about. So now, but when you think about this, the big one question, this is a present problem for Israel. Yeah. They're, 
And why does God give them a future solution that's not going to come? Actually, it won't be for 700 years. They don't know that, but we'll, what's going on there? Yeah, so they've got an immediate army coming down on them. And he's like, there's going to be a child. This is going to be. And if he doesn't come for 700 years, how does that help them in the present? Um, I wrote another thing I wrote down, and this was me. I did come up with this. Okay. So you can quote me on this one. All right. Whether it's the Old Testament and you're looking forward in anticipation to a Savior who would come, or it's the New Testament and you're looking back to the fulfillment of a Savior who came, Jesus is our ultimate hope. Mm, so That's what he's pointing. Yeah, yeah. pointing that too. It's good. All right. Write that in my margin. How about the rest of chapters 9 and 10, we see God's plan wasn't to save Israel, um, but to restore them at a later date. Mm-hmm. So Assyria, um, it looks like they're the victorious ones. They have all the power, all the might. But what happens to Assyria? Yeah, but they're gonna, he's going to judge them, and they're gonna actually have, they'll have consequences too. Yeah, so they're, and they're ultimately just, they're just in God's hand. Mm-hmm. Like, so it may look like they have all this power, but at the end of the day, they only do what God allows them to do. Yeah. That gets us to chapter 11, and in chapter 6, it alluded to this stump, mm-hmm. and now now we kind of see the stump again. So, mm-hmm. Bill, tell me this, about this little shoot. Yeah, this righteous branch. Coming that, out of this stump. Yeah, you're seeing this little, little guy coming up, like, I'm Groot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Groot. <laughs> uh, but it's so, so God never abandons Israel, and, and just as you see the hopefulness when you see new, new blooms springing up here in the mm-hmm. springtime right yeah. now, that it's kind of that same emotion. Even if he feels like he's distant or walking away, he always has a plan and restoration and new life is going to be coming yeah. through that. I love that. Even when God feels distant, he's, he's right there and he's got a plan. Yeah. There's old veggie tales on a, on a knowing the ark. Yeah. And like my kids just master the line right off the bat. It's like, God always has a plan and he always keeps his promises. Come on. <laughs> That's good. Thanks veggie tales. Um, I love chapter 12. Like mm-hmm. I, I literally just put a star Mm-hmm. in my Bible next to it. Cause right. like, what a great, like what, what stood out to you in chapter 12, anything? Yeah. I mean, you just, you read that and, and just it's, it's praise to God for who he is and, and what he's done. Um, I, in the line, I will trust and not be afraid in verse two, the Lord is the Lord. God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And that echoes back to, um, the Exodus when they mm-hmm. came out on the other side of the Red Sea, yeah. the Lord has become my song, my salvation. And, and we're singing that same thing that we're feeling, we're experiencing that. Yeah. So for me, I, I love that. It's like when you've been rescued from something really bad, mm-hmm. like your natural response is to tell others about it. Yeah. Um, when you've experienced salvation, it's natural to want to sing. Um, it's natural to, to have a restoration of hope and just think of the like, man, like it's so good to remember what we've been saved from. Yeah. Um, because the natural response is, is praise and worship. Yeah. 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 It's so good. And it makes me think about even when we, you know, when we gather for worship, just to take a minute before you even sing to think about Jesus has saved me. He's delivered me. And, and as that, those, that, as you're remembering that experiencing that, that, that's going to really fuel your your praise and your yeah. you know offering your songs to God and um and he's and he loves that yeah that's good so um chapters thirteen through twenty three yes um, stretch here yeah the, these eleven chapters Isaiah turns his warnings about God's judgment um more directly towards nations that are beyond Israel mm-hmm. and so this judgment it, it basically it it's on it's on all of those who refuse to humble themselves and yield to God's gracious rule. Mm-hmm. And so um, chapters 13 to 23, it's, it's a bunch of oracles or poems talking about God's judgment. And so, um, so there's two sets of, of oracles that end on chapter 23. And so that's why we decided to stop at 23 today instead of going all the way 
to yeah. 39. So we're just going to get through a lot of judgment to mm. wrap up. So um, two sets of oracles. The first is chapters 13 through 20. And, um, and so this is beyond beyond Israel. So chapter 13, we were introduced to this new nation. Yeah, we got we meet Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. And I was like, don't test God's patience. Um, mm. Prosperity and ease won't continue forever when you're rebelling against God. Any, any thoughts on, on yeah. that? Well, and I've, as you read through these oracles of judgment, you know, the thing is, is they're meant to, to, to search our own hearts. Yeah. Like part of what we want to take away from that is, God, do I... Where are these things true, and how? How? Do, where is there's conviction that you want to yeah. bring, and, you know, and, and along with the the redemption that you're hoping for in that. Yeah, sometimes I, I see people that will run from God, and a line that I heard in a sermon was not my own um, was, "Don't mistake God's grace for His approval." Mm-hmm. And I think we see that with Babylon, like it's like God showing them grace by not destroying them, mm-hmm. and it's like things are going so good. We're, look how prosperous we are, and it's like. It's not going to last forever. It like, won't. And so, so if you're running from God and you're like, hey, I, things are going okay. pretty good. Like I, like, I think I'm actually prospering without God in my life. Like, that's like, let Babylon be a reminder to you that, like, don't mistake God's grace for his approval. Like, things won't always be good for you if, yeah. if you're running against him. Yeah. And so these chapters, it's hard to read them, but it's a kindness from God yeah. to, to show us. We want to know the things that he loves. We also want to know the things that he hates. We want to know the things that we want to be running after and the things that we want to say, man, this, I want, I don't want this. Uh, I want to be, yeah. I want to live differently. That's what I think is great. So chapter 14, kind of in relation to the judgment stuff, it's like, will justice be served? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but in chapter 14, we see God's heart that, that, he, that he's merciful, that he's gracious, mm-hmm. that he's slow to anger, that he's abounding in steadfast love. And as Veggie Tales would say, God always has a plan and he always keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything for chapter 13 to 14 that you got? Well, you know, there is in, in verse 12, it talks about, oh, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, which we could be translated Lucifer, O son of dawn. And that this is talking about a prideful king in that time period in Babylon, but that many people said this could also be a reference prophetically to, to Satan yeah. uh, and the pride that was going on in his heart that led to his fall. So yeah. what's interesting is, is some of these judgments you'll see um, like the stars being blotted out, the sun, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you see that, you'll see that mentioned again in Mark with the temple. Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy is as you read this, people think like, Oh, this is what's going to happen at the end times. Like before Jesus returns and people read it apocalyptically, mm-hmm. but it's crazy. This is just massive language for something that's seemingly immovable being removed. Mm-hmm. And so the same language is used in Mark because the temple, something seemingly immovable mm-hmm. is being gonna... removed and replaced by Jesus. Wow. And so you see the same type of language yeah. um, with like the, the, the stars falling, this, this, the sun being blotted out right. type language mm-hmm. um, in Mark that, that references to that. And it's quoted from Isaiah to reference this. Hey, remember Babylon? You thought it would never fall. Right. You're looking at the temple and thinking this could ever be replaced, but yeah. Jesus is the better temple. Right on. Um, chapters 15 and 16, we get Moab. Moab. Um, and so we see is that God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. Mm. And we see that it actually breaks his heart. In verse it's, 5, it says, my heart cries out for Moab. Yeah. Mm. I think it's so important to know. Like God's not just up there being like, I love this. Like, boom, boom. Like, uh-huh. just knocking nations out. Like, he's like, this hurts. Yeah. It hurts his heart. He, in verse nine, it says, um, "Therefore, I weep 
with the weeping of Jazir for the vine of Sibmath. I drench you with my tears. Yeah. That you see, that's that's who God's heart is. Way more, it's 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 complicated in there. He's yeah. got to bring judgment, but there's also I don't, you know, this is not what I I like to do. Yeah, and that's one of the 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 complexities of our faith is understanding how God is simultaneously just and gracious because mm-hmm. um, we see these characteristics of him right where he's serving justice because he's just God but we also yeah. see his longing mm-hmm. for mercy yeah um, yeah that's good and then on to Damascus yeah so when I'm reading in the Old Testament and I get to Damascus I'm like where am I like why is this significant what what happened what significant thing happened that maybe for people who spend most of the time in the New Testament um, would pick up on. Yeah, that's where Paul was heading to when Jesus showed up and his whole life changed. Yeah, the road, the to, road Damascus to Damascus got blinded, just like Bill and his and his and my old van, his old Volkswagen van. <laughs> road to Damascus. It's also a place where if you want to get some AT hiking gear, trail up in days Virginia, is coming up. So yeah. head over to Damascus. Go to Damascus, good Virginia, times. get you some good stuff. Um, chapter eighteen is Cush. Um, I, I think verse four shows us like we may think God isn't paying attention but he is as near as the warmth of the heat of a summer day. Mm. It's like, so like when you think about like just in your outside as the war, as the weather's getting warmer mm-hmm. and you're like, man, just God feels so distant. Like just like that sun coming down. You're just like, no, that's a reminder that God's just, he's really there. Just as near. I love that. I love that verse. Mm. Then verse seven, like we may feel like God um, isn't going to come through, but in his timing, not ours, he will, he will publicly and undeniably be victorious. Mm. Um, any, anything else stayed out to good. you in chapter 18? Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's good. Um, nine, so 19 takes us to Egypt. Yep. Big, we've heard of this nation. We've had lots of dealings with them so far in, in, in the scriptures. So and this, this gets a little crazy because I, we've read about judgment and obviously God's crying for Moab, like mm-hmm. his heart breaks with Egypt. You kind of think like, Hey, he's going to wipe them out. Yeah. And what, what happens with Egypt? So he, he has a plan for them to, be, to, to worship him, to come to him, to be re- redeemed and have a, a purpose in, in his kingdom. Yeah, so God's plan has always not been just for a people, the nation of Israel. It's been for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants Israel to be a blessing to all nations and for all nations to come to him. Mm-hmm. Even Assyria is listed in there. I'm looking at the, yeah, just yeah, the last. Egypt and Assyria. You're like, whoa. A blessing in the midst of the earth is that, that whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. So those yeah. enemies you know, have, be, have been brought in. Yeah, and that's that theme that we're seeing throughout the whole book of Isaiah. Like, There's going to be judgment, but there's hope. Yeah. Things will get bad but they'll get better. Yeah. And so it even gets better for like nations like Egypt and Assyria. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter 20 is a warning for Judah um, not to be like Ashdod. Mm-hmm. And so, so what do they do? Well, they trust, Ashdod do? Yeah, they trusted in Egypt for protection from Assyria and then they, they get defeated. And there's, there's actually like, there's the um, archeologists have found uh, like pillars that talk about this, this victory. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of graphic. It's like, you'll be naked. Well, and it, yeah, that's, <laughs> Hauling off like it's humiliation. Yeah. So don't be like them. So there's archaeologists. Well, yeah, there, I was just seeing in some notes that that they um, they have records of this particular yeah uh, of the defeat of Ashdod. All right. So it just, it's all there. So that kind of concludes the first set of oracles. Um, the second set gets us to chapters 21 through 23. Mm-hmm. So 21 is is Duma and Arabia. Um, I did a little bit of research on on Arabia for some reason. I have no idea why. God mm-hmm. caught my eye there. I literally spent like 30 minutes going, God, are you trying to, is there a word you have for me because of Arabia? Mm-hmm. I never got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, well. but it's that, and it was interesting. It's Arabia 
is is basically the boons. It's 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 backwoods, middle of nowhere. And so what they're saying is like, hey, this is gonna reach even to the places that think that like, hey, there's no way it's gonna reach here. Mm-hmm. It's like so so this this judgment will reach all the way out to an effect even the middle of nowhere. So it's, it's all inclusive. That, that's about all. And I was like, God, why do you want me to know this? Okay. Um, and I never got clarity in my all prayer right. time. Well, but I randomly just sat on Arabia for a while. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It could come back around. Yeah. So chapter 22 then gets into the Valley. Like, so what, what's the Valley yeah. of vision? Yeah. So this is, this is Jerusalem. Where's Jerusalem? Which is meant to be a city on a on hill, the, right on the mountain. mountain and Mount Zion. But now it's a valley. It's made low. And uh, we see the light of the world. It's supposed to be the light of the world that it's going dark. Yeah, so it's this, that, that poetic imagery. The valley of a vision. It's like, hey, you're supposed to be on a mountain mm-hmm. in the light of the world, but now you've become a valley. Yeah. Um, wow. It's flipped upside down. Yeah, yeah. and so instead of, instead of being a light of the world, it's like you're, you're going dimmer and dimmer mm. into darkness. So I thought, I thought what a... What a powerful image, but what a sad image. Yeah. The Valley of Vision. Mm. Um, hmm. Chapter 23 is Tyree. Anything from Tyree that stood out to you? Um, you know, as well, I was looking in, in chapter 22, the last, the, yeah. there's that part, the line in, cha- in verse 13. Um, they talk about, let, they say, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Yeah. Uh, and this this totally oblivious to the, the, the greater spiritual realities, the things that are... Um, that are real and lasting and that we can, yeah. just, and, and as much as I love Dave Matthews, you know, he's got a song where they sing that. Um, but it's just like, that's this, this view of that. This is it. And, and, and this is all we have, but it's, and that's not true. There's yeah. so much, there's this bigger reality that we're all part of and that God invites us into eternally. Yeah. Um, so as I'm reading all these oracles, I mean, I, the whole time I kept thinking of this and it just, I was like Philippians two. Philippians two, yeah, and, it's, and I and like it was so loud in my oh. heart. And so, do you know what Philippians two ten through eleven says? Read it for me. It's like so that so at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under mm. the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm. Like as I was reading all these all these oracles, all I, was the kept, I just kept thinking about like, yeah. man, this is all pointing us to Jesus yeah. and to the day mm. that everyone will bow before Him. Right. And so yeah. I, so, I, so I, I felt like it was that. Philippians 2, 10 to 11, just screaming yeah. in my heart as I was right. reading about all these oracles of sure. just like God's ultimate desire is for all these nations to bow down and worship yeah. Jesus. Right on. Yeah, it makes like Psalm 2 gets right into that same idea. Yeah. And it, I think it's yeah, that's really good because, I mean, as you hear, I mean, we have access to international news all the time. We hear about what everything that's going on in the world and all these other nations. And then to think, to kind of put that in context and perspective is that all God, all of these nations and these powerful rulers and Putin and whomever, that one day all of these rulers are going to be brought, you know, to their knees before yeah. the Lord and that he's, he's the king, he's the ruler. Um, and that, and that, and that it's also, you know, there's going to be judgment, but there's, there's redemption and you know yeah. i'm looking forward to getting to isaiah those last few chapters yeah. and it's like it's like reading revelation you know right there so um but it's it's helpful to to, to hear that and hear that philippians passage too yeah well let's talk a little bit about some of the shadows of jesus so yeah. in chapter one what what's yeah. to you about the shadow of jesus yeah. there though, though your sins be as scarlet they're going to be white as snow they're going to be yeah. like wool so we see that the, the cleansing power of, of jesus's blood yeah there. Um, for me, I mean, I, we talked about chapter two, but, mm-hmm. um, Isaiah six, like for me, like thinking about the coal that comes from the altar of sacrifices, uh-huh. 
Um, and then when it touches his lips, it says, you know, your sin and guilt have been taken away. And thinking that Jesus, mm-hmm. the greater sacrifice, yeah, um, ultimately takes away our sin and mm-hmm. our guilt. And so uh, I, I love the imagery of Jesus from, from that. Um, what's a... It, how, how does so 714 yeah well and from chapter six it literally says at the end of that it says this this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for it literally says atoned. Yeah. so you know this this gift from from god is atoning it's purifying uh our lives yeah i think i said we, we alluded to chapter 7 14 just yeah emmanuel, emmanuel. it's yeah. like what does that mean god with us God with us. And so yeah. Jesus is ultimately, God is ultimately with us through his son. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, until he returns, he is ultimately with us through, through the spirit. Through his spirit. Um, chapter nine, just when it talks about a light has dawned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I can't help but think of John 8, 8. 12. Yeah. yeah. Where Jesus, I'm the light of the world. Light of the world. Yeah. And all through, all through John, he uses that imagery of light to connect yeah. to the Lord. Um, I, I love chapter 11. And mm-hmm. so we, we talk about the root or the branch but I just think it was neat that like we see the spirit resting on him and I couldn't help but to think of Jesus' baptism mm-hmm. um, where at Jesus' baptism, the spirit descends and mm-hmm. what does it do? It rests, rests on him. On yeah. Jesus. And yeah. I, can I read that? Because it says, yeah. the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Yeah. I, I love that. So you think about like the imagery of who Jesus is about to be or who he is in his yeah. ministry, the, all those descriptors. Right. Right. Wow. And then we'll see later in Isaiah that where he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Yeah. Um, and then we talk, I said, we talked about the root of Jesse and, and I think it's interesting that in Jesus's gene- genealogy, um, specifically in Matthew, it, it ties all the way back mm-hmm. to second Samuel yeah. seven. Yeah. And, um, and the promise that was made to David yeah. that he always have someone on his throne. Yes. Yeah. Um, any Lots other shadows of, shadows of Jesus? Lots of shadows of Jesus as we yeah. when we get through. to that when we try to get chapter in chapters fifty to fifty five. Yeah, it's really going to light up. That's so good. I was I was I was talking with um, Phil Offord and t- saying, "Hey, we're going to be doing this podcast today. Pray for us as we talk about it." And we're talking about Isaiah, and he wrote me back. and He's like, "Man, that is a gospel infused poetic book." I'm so yeah. glad that you guys are. What a great book to to read and talk about. Love it in there. Yeah, well, hey, if, you, if you're in the reading plan, you've got any questions, mm-hmm. let us know, and we can come back and answer them in Isaiah. So yeah. we, no questions this week, but if you got one, you're like, hey, I know this was in chapters 1 through 23, but now we're a move, we'll come it's back, still, but any questions? Yeah, let us, know. let us know. And I had another thought on and when we're yeah. reading the prophetic literature or reading the, in, where it's a lot of poetry, um, sometimes clicking, clicking over to a different translation mm can be really helpful. Like the New yeah. Living, they're going for, they, sometimes they hit the poetry parts a little better, yeah. maybe the message, but sometimes it can be helpful to look at some other translations to feel the poetry part in there. I'll, so. I'll take you up on that. All I'm, right. a big, I'm a big NLT fan. Yeah. I've, I've heard that the ESV reads at like the 11th grade level. Uh-huh. Um, the NIV reads at like the 8th grade level, and the NLT is the 4th grade level. And I, and I was like, I was like, I think I must speak like a fourth grader because I really like the NLT. <laughs> I, I've heard it called the new linebackers translation instead of the new living translation because yeah. football players get it. But I, I really enjoy it, yeah. and I, and it hits my heart. And that's what the translators, that's what they were going for with yeah. it. So it's good. Could be good for you as you read All Isaiah. Right, we'll see you guys next week as we as we knock out you know about twenty or so chapters, continuing through Isaiah. Yep. So, All right. Good stuff.